0: greetings and welcome to another episode of canadian history x if you like you can support the podcast for as little as three dollars a month just go to patreon.com slash canada ehx you can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate or you can go to buy me a cup of coffee slash craig U. all of these links are also in my show notes and for people who donate i have various levels of benefits For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by... with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. and you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com/c/CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website canadaehx.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. Today, we come to my favorite type of podcast episode, a nostalgia episode. I've covered many wonderful television shows over the past two years, and we have one that had a big impact on a lot of young Canadians in the 1990s, while also giving us J-Rock himself, Jonathan Torrance. I'm talking of Street Sense.
1: Which one has the taste you can't resist? Tune in and get hooked on Street Sense, a dark spread in the news.
0: I'll buy that. The story of Street Sense begins in 1988 with CBC Halifax, which created the pilot that would become Street Sense. At the time, the program was called Money Penny. Producer John Nolan would cite Pocket Money, a show from Britain, as a main inspiration for Street Sense. We did some testing of names with kids after the pilot was hugely successful and kids didn't like it at all. They preferred the name Street Sense, the play on words, so we switched the title, end quote. Of course, the real story of Street Sense begins a bit earlier in 1986, during a round of CBC budget cuts when Nolan first proposed the idea of the show. He was told any new shows that wanted to be on the network had to be commercially viable. He would use this, realizing he had to pay at least $20,000 for writers, performers, the sets, and more. Nolan and the producers were able to raise $1 million from corporate sponsors to make the first full season of Street Sense out of Halifax. With that, Street Sense as we know it was born, but it differed from other programs on the air in many ways. First, sponsor logos were only seen at the end credit of the episodes, modeled on how PBS acknowledged sponsors in the United States. The show was also focused completely on promoting safety and ethics and action for young people. As well, it aired without commercial interruption to prevent any sort of advertising bias that would prevent any criticism of the products or services of the advertisers on the show. The lack of commercial interruption was what CBC's Marketplace also did. Nolan would say about sponsors, quote, we needed money, and in those days, shows aimed at young people, unlike preschool, could have commercials. But I said I don't want Street Sense to have commercials. I felt it really important that it have the credibility of Consumer Reports magazines, which thrives because it doesn't have any advertising. End quote. Initial sponsors included the Canadian Bankers Association, who provided hundreds of thousands of dollars for the first season. The Bronfman Foundation and other similar groups also put in money. One sponsor was the Royal Canadian Mint, Nolan would say, quote, "I remember we had to do a thing about the mint, the Canadian mint, on a regular basis, but those were field pieces, so it would be about coins fairly benign, but it was sponsored by the mint. End quote. John Finkelstein, a producer, would save CBC's support for the show quote cBC's executives were very supportive of us doing topics that really mattered to teens because when you're doing a show for teenagers twelve to seventeen who like to watch adult programming, grown-up programming." You're only going to get them if you actually talk about things you care about. So, the show had to be quite edgy. Street Sense talked about everything from underwear street zest to acne cream to sex. quote. When the show launched on March 15th, 1989, it featured three hosts. Benita Ha, Chris Lyddon, and Jamie Bradley. Now, I want to mention with Benita Ha, I didn't know if it's pronounced Ha or Hey, but I'm going with Ha, and if I mispronounce it, I truly apologize. The first season would consist of only twelve episodes. Ha would say, quote, "I was surprised I was cast this Chinese kid with braces. I thought it was a great concept, and I was really happy to be on the show and Of course, my whole family was perched on chairs waiting for the first episode End quote. midway through season one. though Jonathan Torrens replaced Liddon and would go on to become easily the most famous person to come from the show and the face of the show itself to this day. Torrens was originally cast as a tester and was at one point fed nothing but fast food for a week and then he would provide a report on it. He would say, quote, I ate nothing but fast food for five days, which in retrospect wasn't much of a stretch. Like, that wasn't hard-hitting journalism. That was just how I rolled because I was actually working at McDonald's at the time. And you could get a free lunch every shift you worked, end quote. After his week of fast food, Torrens became a host Mike Klattenberg would say, quote, I admired Jonathan's talent early on. Long before I worked on the show, I was a real fan of street sense. We'd see each other around town, and I got this gig working with him. It didn't take long for us to become pals. We made each other laugh constantly, end quote. McLean's would write about Torrens in 1992, saying, It has launched the career of teen heartthrob Jonathan Torrens. For three seasons, Torrens, now 19, has played an empty-headed preppy, but now he says that after he exchanged his button-down collars for leather jackets, he receives calls from star-struck young women in a deluge of fan mail. Said Torrance, I guess the classic rebel has always been intriguing. Also part of the cast was the character of Ken Pompadour, played by Brian Hyten. Pompadour was the lackey of the evil corporation Bico, which sold terrible overpriced products that were made to break down. These were marketed in a stereotypical parody fashion on the show with Pompadour trying to sell the products on the show and the hosts foiling his schemes. Showwriter Louise Moon would say, quote, It's funny because we had this fictional company called Bico and Bico acquired Street Sense to try to raise its prestige in the corporate community. So in a way, we were kind of making fun of ourselves in that we have these corporate sponsors, but I don't think it ever compromised the integrity of the series, Another popular part of the cast was a pig. Initially, the pig was named Penny, then Nickel, and then the Vietnamese word for Dime. Nolan would say, quote, We thought it would be fun to have a pig on set to show the piggishness and the pork that a lot of corporations take from young people, End quote. And while the pig added a unique aspect for the show, it also presented problems, like going to the bathroom on set. Ha would say, quote, The pig would start going to the washroom every single time we started rolling, it was like, in three, three, two, oh wait, stop, it's happening. It is like it knew. It knew when we were about to shoot. It would be fine for the rehearsals and then, boom, end quote. The pig would last two seasons before a hedgehog was brought in for season three. The hedgehog, named 2-Bit, was also to play on the popularity of Sonic the Hedgehog. Nolan would say, quote, 2-Bit's role is to bring in letters and things impaled on his quills. We also give it a lot of extra sound effects, end quote. Klattenberg would say, quote, the Hedgehog was cute. I remember he rocked some unexpected pisses. We also had a silly robotic hedgehog for stunts and special effects. I loved it. End quote. The show proved to be incredibly popular. At one autograph signing at a mall in Ottawa, the cast expected 50 people to show up. In the end, 500 came by to get autographs. Henry Sawyer Foner, a producer, would say, quote, We went from nobody knew about the show to people starting to the ratings started to pick up and we started to get nominated and winning awards and stuff like that. A little bit here and a little bit there. End quote. In 1993, there was talk of street sense going to foreign markets including PBS in the United States and broadcasters in Malaysia and Singapore were also interested in the show. Nolan would say quote, they were amazed that a Canadian show that wasn't violent or sexist was multicultural and taught something could beat shows like Ninja Turtles in the ratings. Their idea of primetime kids shows in Malaysia is G.I. Joe cartoons. Our goal is to make Canada the world leader in teaching consumer skills, end quote. By this point, the annual budget for 26 episodes was 3.3 million, with CBC providing $2 million and corporate grants covering the rest. Torrance would say in 1993, quote, We're giving a voice to these kids who otherwise would be ignored, end quote. Ha would add in the same interview that the show speaks to kids as peers rather than as adult authority. She would state, "If we can do this, you can too. If you have a problem, we can help you out." The show would often involve parodies of popular shows of the time, including Beverly Hills 90210, Party of Five, or Dawson's Creek. An example of this was seen when What's Your Beef segment was about skateboards, so there would be a sketch involving a crisis in the world of Dawson's Creek. Torrance would say. like if party of five was on and we were doing a thing about a five-man tent, then it would be a party of five-man tents or whatever. End quote. When the show heard from viewers about how mall security guards treated them unfairly, the producers came up with the mall cops sketch, which followed two overly aggressive security guards harassing teens with its own parody theme song. Mall
1: cops, mall cops, what you gonna do? What you gonna
0: do when they hassle
1: you? Mall cops, mall cops they please got a wonky for and a bunch of
0: keys it's beautiful in here but people have no respect you know they bring in dogs they they spill drinks they hanging around and loitering and it's just you
1: one yeah we got some kids down here in sector four what are they doing Uh, well they're kids all right keep an eye on them i'm on my way 10-4 what's going on here looks like they're shopping but they ain't buying spare period at the high school that's what it is trash Hippies. so that's what we do make sure that everything runs smoothly and we maintain a good shopping environment because that's what this is all about pleasurable shopping uh-huh. what's going on here these kids have been here for like 15 minutes No, hold on a second hold on a second You're barred, pal. No, it wasn't. Yes, you. Oh, yes, you are. I caught you in the gumball machines a week ago. No. One quarter, one gumball. You know that. You're barred. Are you looking at me? No, I was was looking at the ground. They loiter,
0: we kick them out. They come back and loiter again, we kick them out again. That's what we do. We're mall cops. Eventually, Pompadour's boss would die in Aruma, and Pompadour was promoted to the new head of Baiko. His character shifted at this point from being a weak-willed lackey to a man who wore all black leather and had a goatee, and was able to magically snap his hand to reveal any item he was selling. Around him, he had a group of lackeys and Yes Men. Eventually, though, when the actor left the show, the Baiko storyline disappeared as well. From that point forward, the show became less story-oriented. During its first eight seasons, considered to be the classic street sense era, there were several common segments as well. What's Your Beef read letters from viewers as well as phone calls and emails that were investigated by the hosts. That's 20
1: minutes. Better make a fresh pot. If a pot of Tim Horton's coffee can't be served in 20 minutes, it can't be served at all. Claim, if a pot of Tim Horton's coffee can't be served in 20 minutes, it can't be served at all. I'm Julia Grady in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and I watched that commercial and wondered if it was true. My friends and I came to the Tim Hortons at this mall, and we watched the coffee pot for half an hour. It didn't take once. So I emailed Street Sense, because how can they say their coffee's fresh if it really isn't? At Tim Hortons, always fresh means always fresh. Street Sense enlisted the help of the journalism students at the Auburn Drive High School to stake out five Tim Hortons locations in the Dartmouth area. As we entered the Tim Hortons, we noticed there was four pots of coffee, three partially emptied, and one really full. And that's the one we watched. As we sat down with our stuff, we watched that pot of coffee for 40 45 minutes. minutes. That's right, 45, 45 minutes. minutes. After the 45 minutes, we got up and left. And we actually saw the lady serving that coffee. I uh-huh. Didn't want any of that wonderful coffee to go to waste. Uh, are you surprised
0: by the result? I was expecting maybe not exactly 20 minutes but just a little bit over not two or three times over what they originally said yeah Yeah, i wasn't expecting two
1: hours two hours is a bit much you can tell when it's been two hours Mm -hmm. and decaf
0: sitting there for two hours is plain disgusting
1: i mean probably the intention was there that they were going to make sure
0: no but see the the intention should be there though because you can't be serving coffee that's sitting up there for two hours and going on Mm -hmm. tasting all that bad you need to really you know Make your
1: coffee fresh, that's what it's there for. They said they will change it in 20 minutes. They should change it 20 minutes. Tim Horton's head office told us their standard policy is that a pot of coffee be changed every 20 minutes. They said if this isn't happening, customers should complain to the store manager.
0: The most famous segment, Fit for the Pit, involved the throwing of an inferior product that the producers believed was not fit for paying for. The product would be thrown into a fiery pit in the Street Sense studio. In reality, the pit was a hole with a 650-watt light with a red gel on it and a smoke machine. Torrance would say, quote, In the early going, we probably had one version of the prop that we were throwing in the pit, so if it landed on the light and got singed, well, that was it, End quote. An example of a product that went to the pit was one billed as being good for the environment. Nolan would say, quote, It came in a package that so was a blister pack covered in cardboard with more plastic. It was such a rip-off it got thrown into the pit, End quote.
1: What the? The get him system? The world's best guy getting system? Target is in range, check the end. It says the get him system will give you secrets on how to get the guy you want. Like how to get him to ask you and out? And how to make him fall in love with you. Attention you guys, we have an ad here says their system can turn you from just a friend into a boyfriend. Never. It'll tell us every guy's biggest weakness and how to use it to our advantage
0: don't listen to get him
1: first it says you don't have to act phony or try to be someone you're not but then it says you'll learn five little tricks guaranteed to get any guy hooked quiet this system costs 20 bucks canadian it must work wait there is something wrong with this intelligence what it says your new boyfriend will make your friends green with envy and it tells you to keep the gh system your secret after all why let them in on your new advantage hey dating isn't supposed to be a contest it says it's the right way to hold feel and touch a guy there's no wrong way Except maybe this. You'll never make another mistake with guys again? The atom flies. we're doing something wrong if we don't have a boyfriend. For attacking our self-esteem with the outdated stereotype that girls are losers if they don't have a guy. And guys are just mindless himbos waiting to be captured by a girl. We think the GH system is fit for the pit. In
0: 1993, the show would pick up a gold medal for Best Teen Series at the New York International Film and Video Festival and two silver medals. The show is also attracting 570,000 viewers a week by this point. Nolan would say, The show never gets preachy. It never breathes the word education, but that is our goal. We are all journalists trying to teach young people and families about money management and environmental skills.
1: How are you? I'm, uh, I'm really excellent, That's and good. I love my planet, you know, ne- neat, neat planet we good live on so right here. And I've gathered together some materials that uh, are not necessarily environmentally friendly uh-huh. and uh, some demonstrations on what the Earth is doing. You Go know, ahead. It, it's, uh, it's interesting to me how we're discovering the Earth again. You know, in the 1400s, we discovered what the Earth looked like, that mm-hmm. it was round, that there were continents and oceans. Now we're discovering how the Earth works and that there's, there are elements of it that can change, mm-hmm. and mainly it's the atmosphere and the oceans and the land. Right? And people, you hear about things like the greenhouse effect. Yeah, you know, that's right. That's, well, that's that's changing the chemistry of our atmosphere. You have and a I demonstration have a, for a us. A demo it? here that's been going on for a while. There are two thermometers that are exactly the same. One thermometer is just sitting outside, showing us the air temperature, and the other one's underneath a glass bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try this in the summertime under the sun, this works very well. Just put a uh, thermometer out in the grass. If we compare the temperatures of these two thermometers, you'll notice that the one that was underneath the glass is several degrees higher than the one that was not. Mm. And that's because the glass has trapped heat. There's a misconception that the sun heats the earth directly, Mm -hmm. but actually it doesn't. Uh, The sun doesn't heat the air. The sun shines through the air in the same way that light shines through this glass. And it heats the ground. It's the ground that gets hot and gives off heat. So there's a greenhouse around the earth. the, The greenhouse gas, carbon dioxide, is what acts like the glass here. That heat that comes up from the light after being absorbed is kept in there. Well, the more carbon dioxide we put into the atmosphere, mainly by burning fossil fuels, uh, gasoline, natural gas, things like that, Mm -hmm. we're thickening the glass. And so that can cause the earth to heat up and and cause heat waves and desertification, that other nasty thing.
0: One year later, the show moved from Saturday morning to Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. The move would cause the show to see its viewership double to one million people. The same year, the show saw the departure of Jamie Bradley and the arrival of Anna Dirksen. The show was also picking up a lot of credibility that allowed it to help many of its viewers. In 1993, a viewer was charged 8 cents GST on a bottle of Coke that he had won at a grocery store. A call from Street Sense pointing out that 8% of nothing is nothing embarrassed the grocer to reverse the decision. Torrens would say, quote, As a representative of Street Sense calling, it's almost like the law. It is an amazing kind of power you have, End quote. In 1996, one review of the show from the Vancouver Sun would praise it, stating, quote, Street Sense, in its seventh year, it has survived because it is witty, smart, crisply edited, and asks its viewers to question everything. Its mantra could be trust no one. This year's season premiere even featured a parody of The X Files. At the time, the show continued to be the only consumer show for young people. For this reason, the show would also be one of the first Canadian shows to begin using the internet to broadcast its message. In 1995, the show had a website, and Nolan would say, Because of the interactive nature of Street Sense to begin with, it was thought that we would be a good test for internet connection. They thought a teen-oriented show would be perfect because kids are really into technology. At the site, Users could get week-by-week summaries of the items run on each program, questionnaires, biographies of the hosts, behind-the-scenes items, and more. Within 24 hours of the site launching, it had 30,000 visitors. Torrance would leave Street Sense in 1996 and would go on to create his own teen-oriented talk show called JonoVision. He would then take on the role of J-Rock on Trailer Park Boys, for which he is arguably most famous for. Another Trailer Park Boys connection comes in the fact that Mike Clattenburg, the creator of Trailer Park Boys, worked as a field producer on Street Sense. Torrens would say years later, quote, This was a show on the public broadcaster for kids on Saturday morning, so it was almost uncool. It's only with the benefit of hindsight that I can now be really proud of what we did, quote. The departure of Torrens is seen as the end of the classic era of Street Sense. Beginning in Season 9 and continuing until Season 17, Street Sense took on a news magazine style similar to Marketplace. It focused on empowering young people to make educated decisions about the products they were buying, as well as the media they were promoting. In the final years of the show, it would also expand to include topics such as eating disorders, divorce, and interracial dating. In August 2006, after 17 seasons and 923 episodes, the decision was made to cancel Street Sense due to a decline in viewership among its target audience. Its last episode aired on October 1st, 2006. No one would state, quote, it lasted 17 years, which is pretty good for a CBC show. A very good run, end quote. That would not be the end of Street Sense, though. In 2019, original host Jonathan Torrens started a reboot of a show on YouTube called Your Two Cents. Hey, of all the shows I've ever worked on, Street Sense is
1: the one that people stop me on the street all the time and say, Why on earth does that show not exist now? Which is why I'm beyond proud to share. The Canadianity Content Studios is in production on eight episodes of a brand new series for this generation's smart consumer called Your Two Cents. Your Two Cents is sponsored by Credit Unions of Atlantic Canada. And just like the original one, there'll be plenty of pop culture and parody. Plus, we're counting on your submissions. So, if you have a consumer story you'd like to share or a product you'd like to see tested, email us, ideas at your And make sure you follow us across all socials at Your Two Cents. First episode's coming in May.
0: This reboot would earn Torrance two Canadian Screen Award nominations in 2020 and 2021. And based on the success of the YouTube show, CBC announced that a revival of Street Sense would begin in 2022 on its TikTok account. I hope you enjoyed that nostalgia episode and my look at Street Sense. Next week, we're looking at the Canadian Constitution Act of 1982. If you like, you can email me at craig at You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron ohara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rowa, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from CBC, Vice, Maclean's, Wikipedia, Calgary Herald, Owen Sound, Sun Times, Vancouver Sun, Edmonton Journal, National Post, Regina Leader Post, and the Ottawa Citizen. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.